Warning, guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. Great to have you with us on the Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network on this last day of July. News out of Edmonton this week. The Police Association is uh, calling on uh, the chief, calling for an independent investigation. They had a survey of their members in the Police Association, and about 80% of the officers, that's the police officers in Edmonton. You ready for this? Report that they work in a culture of fear. 80%. Um, almost 60% of the officers... Now, this survey was done by the police association, the police union. Almost 60% of them um, participated in this survey, and they found that almost 40% have been looking for jobs outside the police service in the last five years. A toxic, toxic environment. And the chief has said he's going to look into it. You've heard from RCMP women on this program and recently about the issues that, um, that they're dealing with and they're facing. And uh, firefighters, or two firefighters on this program last weekend and the fire chief, the association president in Toronto yesterday. It continues, and it will continue. Now, I'm a big admirer of police, policing when it's done right. It's the only barrier between chaos and order. And these are the men and women who are dedicated to placing themselves between the chaos and maintaining the order, all right? That's what they do daily. When they strap on their put on their uniforms and strap on their utility belts and put on their gun. They go out to protect us. Yeah, they piss us off when they're flashing lights when they give us a ticket for speeding. But we usually earn the ticket. But then there's the times when we're treated not fairly by the police officer who we're dealing with, and that upsets people. Now, what's happening inside the police's uh, organizations? We've heard the RCMP stories from women who've joined us here. More than 500 RCMP women are involved in class action lawsuits against the force claiming sexual harassment, abuse, and more. More than 500 in the class action. There are individual suits, lawsuits that are going on. Catherine Gallifer just settled hers. They basically said that Catherine Gallifer did that she had some mental health issues. That was the challenge. And they settled with her. She was on this program recently. No mental health issues with Catherine Gallifer. It was systemic with the RCMP, and the commissioner won't come on the show and talk about it. So, I've been in touch recently with Marlene Hope, who retired from the Calgary Police Service in August of last year as a detective. She was a sergeant before that. She's a 26-year veteran of the Calgary Police Service, 26 years of your life, invested in one organization, 
All right? So we've exchanged emails and we've talked. And today, for the first time anywhere, Marlene Hope joins us to talk about the Calgary Police Service and her experience there with the bullying, the intimidation, and the fear. Marlene, thank you for taking the time and thank you for what you've done to to protect your community and separate the chaos from, keep the chaos away from the rest of us. Hi, Roy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Also with us is Patricia Ferris. She's a psychologist in Calgary, has worked in the field of psychological harassment for 20 years, and she conducts training for organizations on respectful workplaces and consults with those faced with managing issues and complaints and treats people who are impacted, and bullying impacts people for an entire lifetime. We've heard it. We've heard it on this program. Thank you very much for joining us, Patricia. I appreciate it. Hi, Roy. Much appreciated to be on your show. Let's start with uh, with Marlene. You, why did you make the personal decision to go public and talk about the Calgary Police Service and its issues, its problems, as you interpret them? Why? Um, Roy, I think um, it started when I heard your um, shows with the RCMP members and members from the various fire departments. And I thought it was really important and necessary to show uh, solidarity and to show them that uh, not only do we support them, but uh, their stories resonate with many members within paramilitary, paramilitary organizations. And um, so I thought, you know what, we've, uh, we've been working behind the scenes with the Calgary Police Service over the last few years, and we don't feel that there has been a change um, as swiftly as we would like. And so the decision was to come forward and, and speak to you because you've uh, shown uh, a commitment to hear the voices of people and you've done it in a respectful manner. Thank you for that. Um, you say we, so there's more than you, but you're speaking on behalf of yourself today. Today, I, I definitely want to ensure that uh, your listeners understand that I am speaking for myself on my experiences and um but there are people beside me that have have concerns as well. You retired as a detective, uh, Marlena. As I said prior to that, you were a sergeant in the Office of Inclusion. Why did you resign from the Calgary Police Service after 26 years? Uh, my my story is a little bit long, and I know we have exchanged uh, dialogue regarding that. Um, I will speak in uh, some specifics, but I, I do want to ensure that people understand that. Uh, this is behind me, um, but there were instances within the police service where I experienced bullying by people within leadership, and uh, that began for me in 2009, uh, 2010, so after 20 years of service, and it ended ultimately ended in 2015 when I felt that uh, the forces were against me and uh, for the sake of my health and that of my family, I chose to retire. Um. Is what is happening to the RCMP women, and they've talked to us about bullying, about systemic um, sexual harassment, mistreatment, uh, just a, a, f- a fearful organization, a fearful reality. That's what they've talked to us about. Is what these, what these RCMP women have said, and that's what I just, or officers and, and civilian employees, I call them RCMP women, uh, is what they and the firefighters uh, told us is going on. Is that also going on in the Calgary Police Service? 
I could answer yes to that, but again, I think that's the story of those members to speak to directly. Uh, when I worked in the Office of Inclusion, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, numerous members, both men and women, uh, and speak to them about their story of bullying and harassment. And so I do have full knowledge, direct knowledge from them based on their perspective about what happened to them. And it mirrors very much that of the um, police members and firefighters. But again, this is not an issue um, separate to females. It's an, an, an issue that also uh, impacts greatly the, the men in the associations. All right. So it's not just it's not just women, as we've been finding finding out. It's male police officers who are also uh, talking about, and we're going to be talking to some of them coming up, who've been uh, talking about being bullied and otherwise mistreated. So um, supervisors in certain areas have been challenged as to their treatment of members, and I understand some have, have said. Do you know who I am? This is how we do it. And then there's fallout from those exchanges. Can you speak to that at all? You know, I, I will. And now that one is specific to me. Um, in 2009, I was a, a team sergeant uh, overseeing a team of 23 members, men and women. And I challenged a member as a fellow supervisor in regards to the treatment of uh, members within the district. Uh, his response to me was just that. Do you know who I know? And he was referencing at that time uh, the inspector of the district who I also worked for. So, uh, you know, I didn't take the the, the veiled threat too seriously. Um, I was hoping that, you know, the right, right dialogue would occur and, and changes to behavior would happen. But what happened shortly thereafter is I became, uh, in my opinion, and I put forth a, com- a complaint to the association on that, that I became targeted by the the inspector of that area uh, and a number of uh, male supervisors and other supervisors in the area because I took the stand I did. All right, I'm going. We're going to take a break here. Then when we come back, I want you to speak to this, and we'll get and then we'll get Patricia involved as well. You shared with me that the fear is so great among people to come forward uh, uh, that those around you choose to, uh, and and they. They, they worry about what could happen coming forward. They worry about being isolated, ostracized, ridiculed, overlooked for promotion, assaulted, harassed. Members become sick, go on leave, and resign. Mm-hmm. And all of this is happening, while, and, and it impacts on their health, their financial status, and their pensions. So there's a lot going on in that question. We'll deal with it with Marlene Hope, who retired from the Calgary Police Service in August of last year. As a detective, she's speaking for the first time and speaking for herself, speaking for the first time anywhere about her concerns and what's going on in the Calgary Police Service. These are her concerns and her words and her worries. We'll come right back. Roy has a softer side, too. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. We're on the web at the Roy Green Show or RoyGreenshow.com. Listen back anytime. In the podcast, do anything you choose. Um, started by telling that the Edmonton Police Union president wants an investigation after um, almost 80% of the officers there said they 
work in a culture of fear. Maurice Brodeur, the president, said the findings suggest a psychologically unsafe workplace. This is for male and female officers in Edmonton. Marlene Hope retired from the Calgary Police Service in August of last year. Detective, she's with me talking about, and alone, talking about her concerns about the Calgary Police Service. So let's go to this issue, Marlene, of you, you shared with me that the fear is so great among members, but if they come forward and, and speak out, they could, um, well, they could be isolated, ostracized, ridiculed, overlooked for promotion, assaulted, harassed. Members become sick, go on leave and resign, which impacts their health, their financial status, and their pensions. That is a huge statement. You know, it's a huge statement, and it's, and that one is made based on facts, based on statements and uh, interviews of members who were uh, spoken to um, by myself and uh, my partner in 2013-2014 uh, when Chief Hansen requested an audit be done of the police culture. So they said to you, in your words, what are their greatest, what are their concerns? What are they worried about? What do they fear? These are officers. These are police officers, right? Um, the majority of them were sworn members and some were civilian members within the service. Okay. So again, tell us in your words, what are they scared of? All of the above that you mentioned. Anytime that uh, what we found was anytime that there appeared to be a challenge, a question, um, a change in needs or desires for a member, if they brought those forth and it wasn't supported and they challenged it, uh, they they began to um, be um, ostracized, isolated, um, talked about, gossiped. Some members weren't backed up on the street. Uh, we had members who said that they had lost their families because we often get members who are very connected to the police scene service, and so uh, that that group is important to them. And okay. so they really lost the ability to have a voice and to speak and to some were impacted by promotion. Like I said, um, they weren't promoted if they were seen to be um, speaking out against issues within the service. All right. So these were, these were true stories. These were by members who had, you know, some with two to three years, some up to 20, 25 years. Wow. I want to talk to you more about that in a minute. Um, let's talk to Dr. Patricia Ferris psychologist who's worked in the field of psychological harassment for 20 years and conducts training for organizations on respectful workplaces. Uh, Dr. Ferris, does this all sound familiar to you? And, and, and how would you assess, based on what Marlene is telling us, how, how would you assess what's going on in the Calgary Police Service? It's very familiar. I, I mean, I've seen people across a wide variety of organizations uh, and military, paramilitary, including RCMP, policing, fire. Uh, it, it's it's very common in in Canadian industry in general. Uh, reports suggest that at least 40% of people experience this in the workplace. It's very tough in the military, paramilitary organizations because of the culture of toughness. What I think happens that is beyond some of the other organizations is that people... Okay, we're, we're having we're having some trouble with your with your mobile phone. I'm going to ask the studio to just try to call uh, Dr. Ferris back on the first number you have, the landline, if we can. If we can connect with her on the landline, it'll be better. 
Uh, we just just can't hear Dr. Ferris speak to um, the point she wants to make. Uh, we're going to break in just a minute, but Marlene, let's go back to that audit that you talked about that you participated in. The Chief Hansen, Rick Hansen, conducted an audit in 2013. What was the audit about, and where are the results three years later? Uh, the audit was something that uh, Chief Hansen had requested based on uh, complaints that we had provided to him by the members of the service, and uh, he wanted to understand what was going on that would allow behavior by uh, people within the organization to go on, and not only go on, but often go unchallenged. And so the audit was done, and uh, it was then placed under privilege with a law firm here in Calgary. And to date, that's where it sits. Okay. There was, I don't know if it still exists, there was a Respect Matters program in the organization. Right. what, did, it, did it succeed? Did it fail? What, what's the story? Uh, the, the Respect Matters program sort of came to a halt in 2010, from my recollection. Uh, we did speak to members involved in that program, and essentially what happened uh, from the stories that we were told was the um, members within even senior management of the organization conducted themselves um, with behavior that would be construed as bullying, uh, towards members, and uh, they were removed. The mem- some members were removed from the area of human resource um, that oversaw the Respect Matters program, and other members quit, including civilian members. Oh, this is one of and, Canada. This is one of Canada's. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And you know, and, and uh, after my story, which um, where I uh, resigned or attempted to resign in 20, 2011, Chief Henson did ask for a review of the Respect Matters program, and, and I was working with that in uh, prior to the Office of Inclusion, and once I arrived there, okay. try to resurrect it. We're going to take our break. Then we're going to come back, and we'll continue speaking uh, with Marlene Hope, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to uh, Dr. Patricia Ferris, psychologist in Calgary, and talk about this issue of bullying. I remember having a, an, um, a Regina police officer, it was a Regina officer, a sergeant, I think he was a detective, 22 years in the service. And he told us on the air, we were doing a program on bullying, and he told us on the air that he'd quit early, as far as his pension maximizing was concerned, because he couldn't stand the bullying that he was subjected to. He said, I'm a big man and a tough cop, but I couldn't take it anymore. We'll be right back. Compassionate, caring, and cuddly. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I think they have to change that re-intro. I'm going to drop that one. You can't say that about me. I'm not cuddly. Maybe Sean is cuddly. I'm not so cuddly. I don't think, anyway. Great to have you with us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network on this. Boy, it's hard to believe it's the last day of July. Where is the year going? With me, uh, Marlene Hope. If you're just joining us, uh, Marlene was a 26-year member of the Calgary Police Service. She was a sergeant. She retired as a detective last August. And she's talking to us about the dysfunctional, what she sees as the dysfunctional nature of the Calgary Police Service. And and one of the, again, just before the break, we talked about about this, and and I I wrote these questions out for myself. I normally don't do that, write everything out, but I did for this conversation. You shared with me that the fear is so great 
for people who might come out and speak openly about the issues they're facing, that if those around you choose to, they will exert pressure that could result in a member being isolated, ostracized, ridiculed, overlooked for promotion, assaulted, harassed. Members become sick, go on leave, and resign. This impacts health, financial status, and pensions. Now, along with Marlene Hope, is Dr. Patricia Ferris, psychologist in Calgary, has worked in the field of psychological harassment for 20 years. Now, I looked at the email that you sent me, Dr. Ferris. I hope our line's better this time. And you wrote, I view the, and you said what you heard, what we heard you say, what you heard from Marlene is fairly consistent with what you've heard from organizations elsewhere. And you see the police as paramilitary organizations, a word I've heard many times. You wrote, I view the exposure to various forms of harassment as an occupational injury and apply the hazard model. Two injuries can stem from exposure. Please explain that. Yes, I uh, see the exposure to workplace bullying as an occupational hazard. Um, the stress or, uh, is something that people will be exposed to in their work. May I just check and see if the uh, line is okay this time because I'm getting some feedback. No, you're fine. We hear you fine. Okay, good. Then I'll just carry on. Thank you. Uh, But it's like other exposures uh, to noxious substances. There's a level at which it becomes very harmful to the person. So one of the most uh, damaging uh, exposures that a human being can have is exposure to rejection from a tribe or a group of people that is important to them. You know, recent uh, research is showing us that it likely has carried on pain neurons as an almost instinctual response, that if exposure is prolonged and severe, uh, really damages a person uh, beyond a stress response, and often this results in a psychological death. So to me, one of the most important things that organizations need to understand is what the concept of bullying is and the impact on people. You know, there's a lot of recent research that shows that when exposed to ostracizing, rejecting, verbal abuse in the workplace, that that people develop symptoms consistent with post-traumatic stress disorder. And I find that organizations really struggle to understand this and often don't manage it well at the beginning leaving people the only option in their survival to leave the organization. Uh, And this often results in a chronic search for justice on their part, which leads to lawsuits and often public discussion as a way of uh, righting these perceived wrongs. Which we're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. Which we're doing right now. You wrote as well, um, most people who are targeted for bullying are competent, conscientious, and have a strong belief in a just world, they are often politically naive. Let me go back to um, Marlene Hope. Um, Marlene, my RCMP guests, and they want to be in touch with you, by the way, the, who, who've talked to us, the women in the RCMP, they've talked about physical um, assaults. They've talked about um, unwanted sexual comments, we talked about being exposed to that on a on a regular basis. That also something, uh, and you and I haven't talked about that. But is that something that 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 is, that is experienced in the Calgary Police Service? Definitely. And again, I think my experience was um, somewhat limited in that I was very fortunate. Uh, I had comments 
such as in front of a supervisor when I questioned him in regards to a process, uh, a senior member sitting with him said, spread your legs and talk. I think that was sort of the the level of my experience with it. So I was very fortunate, but I did uh, speak with members who had been physically assaulted in a sexual manner. Um, and again, I think it's just trying to restore a an oversight, an accountability, uh, a measure, uh, a beyond a measure, a standard of professionalism to policing uh, and moving away from sort of the old boys club. And I, and I don't mean that disparaging to many of the great men who uh, I've worked alongside of and worked with and for, but a, a small percentage of uh, people, male per, predominantly, but also female, you might be surprised, Roy, who uh, utilize their power to uh, heap abuse on members who are often competent. And, you know, it was funny in kind of trying to remember if I could, I, I laid a complaint back in 2009 with the um, the police association or attempted to, uh, to see if it was of worth. And the response back was, that, was um, you know, the inspector believes there might be a perception issue and that they could handle things better. But just try to uh, ask advice from them occasionally. Everybody likes to feel important. And so it, it speaks to Dr. Pat's comments, I think, is that, you know, if they don't feel that uh, you're providing them that there's their need to be uh, your supervisor and you're competent and you know how to do your job, um, you might start to have issues. Yeah, well, I was just about to ask you about the leadership within the Calgary Police Service and the Calgary Police Association. And then you said something in the studio, um, uh, producer and I just sort of looked at each other when you said, the senior person said, spread your legs and talk. I was about right. to ask you about management. But if that's, if that's how m at least one person in a management position in the police service treats a respected member of the police service, and you were, became a sergeant and a detective, what happens to the people who, who don't have that, right. um, that, 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 I don't know, drive that presence that uh, you better not mess with me, um, project that, you know, that image. What happens to them on a daily basis? That's the, well, yeah, that's and the I think question. Really that's the reason I came forward. I think I had a very difficult uh, few years and um, I have a strength of my, my Christian faith. I have a strong, supportive husband. Uh, who has to hear all my stories, and I had um, a social, you know, people around me in my personal life who, who could support me. When you get, and I'm senior, I was very senior, and so when you get junior members who either are um, involved in these conversations or hear the conversations, yeah. they start to believe that this is not only acceptable, but something that they better participate in, or they are then themselves ostracized and isolated and come on, why can't you be one of the boys? Many of these guys don't want to be one of the boys anymore. They want to be professional. They want to treat their partners with respect. They want to do the work that they're passionate about. And so when I hear the studies from out of the research out of the Edmonton, that 80% you said were looking for, or weren't happy, but maybe looking for a new job, 40%. Yeah, 40%. 
says 40% of the police officers in, in Edmonton, according to the survey of the Edmonton Police Association, close to 40% of the officers have been looking for jobs out uh, uh, away from the Edmonton Police Service, other than. Right. And these are men and women who I, I suspect if, uh, if you look back upon their history would probably have said that they admired the profession when they were young and they... You know, they worked extremely hard to get to where they are. That's why you join, right? That's why you join. And the majority of join because they want to help people. Do we make mistakes with the public? Absolutely. Uh, and we need to be held accountable for that. But overall, we have public support. We want to help people. And now they're looking for a different job because they don't get that support from the organization they work for. No, Dr. Ferris, when, uh, when, when Marlene talks about younger members, junior members, Hearing this kind of conversation going on, hearing an insult like spread your legs, uh, that's just some, you know, anyway, it's ter- what, terrible. When, when, you, when, you, when you're a junior member hearing that, that just self-perpetuates the, uh, the dysfunctionality, doesn't it? I don't want to use buzzwords, but isn't that the case? Well, of course it is. You know, leadership culture is what drives uh, an organization. So if, you know, men and women hearing that uh, are going to do exactly what Marlene said. They're going to conform, obey, work harder, and they're likely to get engaged in derogating someone else because that's what you do. You know, the, the, the opposite, to stand up, uh, often results in, in damage to the people. So they very quickly learn not to do that. Have you, uh, have you dealt with, as a, as a psychologist, have you dealt with members of the Calgary Police Service or the Edmonton Police Service? I've dealt with members of um, various police services, um, you know, uh, across the country. Some um, connect with me via Skype or email, so I've got sort of a wide uh, variety of experiences in policing. Is there a common? Is, what's the common denominator? Fear, concern, help me uh, point. That that I hear from people that come to access yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people uh, come not understanding what's happened to them. Why Why was it me? What did I do to deserve this? Uh, how did I lose my power? Uh, because a lot of these people are, as I said, they're conscientious, they're competent. Right. Uh, they're actually usually quite assertive people. And, and one of their greatest wounds is that they feel weak and don't understand why it happened to them. And they don't also understand why it impacted them to the degree, uh, the degree of injury that it did. And, you know, the first stages in dealing with this is to help people understand they likely threatened someone with their conscientiousness and their competency. And they probably ignored it or forgave or didn't even notice it until the point where it got quite adverse and they lost power. Uh, so if I can educate and support and give some ideas about how they get their power back, if this comes early, we can often prevent a deeper injury, which uh, in, in more long-term severe cases becomes this very severe rumination and focus on justice mm-hmm. that um, ultimately for many people just ruins their lives. You know, I'm just thinking, we're going to take a break in a second and we'll finish off the hour with you both, but... I was just thinking, if if you if you have the mindset that you're you're going to work and and you're actually the law buffer 
again, between uh, chaos and order. And you're going to work with a mindset uh, where you feel intimidated, you're bullied, you're, you're feeling um, not comfortable in your own skin because of what's going on around you in your organization that's being perpetuated by, by, uh, by, by those who, who believe in it and being carried out by a, a relatively few who just sort of feed this process. You're going to work with that attitude, and you're putting on your uniform, and you're, you're getting in a police cruiser, and you're going out to interact with people on a daily basis, and you, you're going to catch the worst of situations because you're a cop, that's a terrible combination. You start with a negative frame of mind, and you go out and you, you face the, the worst that society can throw at you on any given shift. Man, that's that's tough. It is. It that's is tough. tough. But I do need to comment that most people, uh, especially in policing, go out and do their job. In no, the I, don't, I don't their, doubt it. They're, they're competent. I don't doubt not. it. What I'm saying is, it it just further complicates their own their own psychological well-being. Well, and that's Absolutely. why I think it's important and critical that we have these these discussions because um, that was the reason uh, to become public on this is to say you have to have an organization that takes care of those who take care of you. Right. And I say that with pride for the members of the Calgary Police Service because I think every day they go out and try to do their best and they're not right. supported. No, I don't doubt it. When we come back, let's finish off the hour and talk about Sheila Fraser who's been appointed by the Solicitor General for Canada as the investigator to look into what is going on. And some concerns were raised by RCMP officers about that, uh, not about Sheila Fraser, but about what her mandate is. We'll come back and we'll talk more with Marlene Hope and Dr. Patricia Ferris on The Roy Green Show. Don't go away. He's like a superhero without the costume. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. After 26 years as a member of the Calgary Police Service, 26 years, Marlene Hope retired as a as a detective. She'd been a sergeant. She um, She's joining me on the program today to talk about the Calgary Police Service and how she believes this service is malfunctioning and what needs to be done to bring it to what it ought to be. And I know from talking to Marlene and exchanging emails, she cares deeply, deeply about this organization, 26 years of your life. Um, Marlene, Sheila Fraser, uh, as an investigator for the Solicitor General, she's a wonderful woman. She's, uh, she's direct. She did a terrific job as Auditor General. But you said something to me or somebody did about her effectiveness is going to be limited if people don't feel comfortable talking to her. Yeah, and... We had discussion um, last week, you and I, regarding that, and I think it it speaks again to the broken system. So you can have all the right people in place, and you can have great investigators, you can have um, policies, but if you don't adhere to them, if you don't have a culture where people feel comfortable and confident in the system, then I don't know if she's going to get much business. And, and that doesn't speak to the lack of um, issues that are there, it speaks to the lack of um, trust from the members, uh, so they won't complain. Would you, uh, we have about two minutes, would you just rem- just remind us, please, why you're doing what you're doing today, why you're speaking out? 
Well, Roy, like you said, I'm passionate about the police service still. I joined since I was a little girl. I always wanted to be a police officer. Uh, I loved the work. I had great experiences. I had some great supervisors, uh, male and female, and I had some very difficult times. And I think that's not uh, a story that's just mine. It's, it's repeated throughout. And I think people's experiences are different. You're going to have some members who I have no doubt will phone in and say they had a great experience, and I'm happy for them. Uh, but we wanted the experience to be good for everybody so that everybody who puts on that uniform has the support of the membership, um, of the leadership, regardless of what uh, they believe in, what their needs are, that they're supported. And, uh, and I think their ch- change needs to be, you know, come to, the, to policing as a whole, not just the Calgary Police Service. We've had great leaders there, and we've had leaders who've failed us as well. All right, so the, the message is very clear. Marlene, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for talking to us today. Um, I, I, I will stay in touch with you. And uh, Dr. Ferris, thank you also for, for joining us and speaking to the issue for the, of bullying and uh, systemic problems from a psychological perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roy. Um, so that's our hour with, uh, with Marlene Hope, former detective and before that a sergeant with the Calgary Police Service and what she sees as the challenges the service faces. And remember that in Edmonton, in Edmonton, they, uh, <clears throat> they found that um, about 80% of the police officers in Edmonton, about 80% of the cops in Edmonton, 80%, 8 out of 10, say they're working in a culture of fear. That according to the Police Association and a survey they did. Thank you, Marlene Hope. Thank you, Patricia Ferris. We'll come back on the Roy Green Show right after this.